Here it is. Again. One, two, three, I believe that the music I heard is a killer. It's a killer of hope. It's a killer of spirit. Little girls should be seen and not heard. And Devo plays for Muffy's party. We bring you an act who at first may shock you. The Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo. Let's go! Hey everybody, I'm Joseph. And I'm Rob. Welcome to the January 1980 Part 1 episode of Deep Dives and Deep Cuts, the history of punk, post-punk, and new wave 1976 to 1986. Here it is, January, Joseph. Are you excited or what? We are in it. Yeah. We are up to speed. We have got our momentum. We're doing it. (laughs) I'm just crazy with energy right now so i'm bouncing (laughs) off the walls uh but i'm really looking forward to 1980 january here we are uh can't wait for us to well 1980 is going to be a long year for us but it's going to be a blast because it's going to be so long why are we wasting time how about we just kick into some some music huh absolutely how about we get started with something from sparks off of their album terminal jive this is noisy boys As we mentioned last episode, this is this is kind of a, a odd bunch of albums, <laughs> but but it's going to be a lot of fun. We've got uh, so I am going to use the phrase "with the hat" several times tonight when we talk oh. about like this is rock and roll with a new wave hat. Absolutely, yes. That is this sort of batch of music. We we basically got like three different types we've got uh kind of something like sparks which is kind of synthy new wavy we've got some like really solid straight ahead punk oh yeah and then we've got some rock and roll with a new wave hat we got a lot of rock and roll with a new wave hat that is so (laughs) true i'm i mean i think you hit the the new wave on the head with that hat uh it it that makes sense. I mean, the whole thing is just yeah. filled, but it's filled with a lot of different things. I mean, there's even mm-hmm. some groove floating around in some of yeah. this stuff. Uh, there is? Okay, well, you'll, you, you'll have to remind me when we get to it. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know me, I'm, I'm all about the groove. So we are going to, in a couple of minutes, uh, talk about Sparks' album. This is their ninth album? That's yeah. just insane. It is terminal, uh, terminal jive. But first, let's just uh, quickly catch up 
on a couple of things. So how are you doing? I know things are super crazy for you as always. God. Yeah. Crazy as crazier than usual, actually. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm writing a whole bunch of stuff I'm putting together. I'm actually trying to get a book written and, Mm -hmm. um, newspaper articles like uh there's so much happening not only that but i think i told you i work at the museum uh in mendocino california i'm putting together a haunted ghost tour a haunted uh uh, history block basically where Mm -hmm. i go around talking about you know haunted places in in mendocino so (laughs) haunted places in mendocino yeah well it's a halloween (laughs) thing see and it's only i'm only doing it the once but there's there's a ton of ghost stories out there so whether they're haunted or not it's a fun halloween you know it's a fun halloween event so are you gonna are you gonna visit the bedroom where little becky's goldfish died uh no but i will visit the bedroom where there was a double murder and um, in mendocino oh yeah oh yeah yeah there, in fact, it, it's not the only house there was a murder in. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, you and I should talk sometime about Mendocino history. <laughs> it's, it's never, like, even occurred to me that that anything in, in Mendocino could could be considered haunted. So Yeah. Okay, well, uh, and as soon as we're done here, you're hopping in your car and driving oh, to the yeah. Central Valley. You've got a long night ahead of you, my friend. About 300 miles south of where I am now, and I'm going to do it yeah. in wee hours of the morning. So uh, that's why I'm hopped up on energy. I have yeah. had yep. caffeine like crazy today. Cool. Yeah. I just want to remind everybody that we are talking about music. Music is art, and there is nothing more subjective than art. This is an opinion show, but even so, we do try to be mindful not to get too opinionated because uh, ultimately we are here to celebrate this extraordinary music that was created during a pretty unique period of time. Speaking of which, Professor Rob, what was going down January of 1980? It was a really busy month, let me tell you. So, number one song in the U.S., Escape. You know that one? The Pina Colada song by Rupert Holmes. He has regretted every moment after... Uh, after <laughs> the, the song that nobody can escape, even yes. 40 <laughs> even, years later. <laughs> yeah, even Rupert Holmes. Uh, so that came out. Number oh, Excuse me, Number hit, hit number one in the charts in the U.S. Also, Rock With You by Michael Jackson, which for some reason I, I thought was much later than 1980. But no, January 1980. Also debuting on TV, 321 Contact, for those who remember that kid's show. Uh, and Galactica 1980, which I forgot was an actual show. I thought it was just uh, a part of the original Galactica TV series, but apparently mm. it wasn't. Notable movies are Cruising, Dress to Kill, How to Beat the High Cost of Living, and The Mirror Cracked. Notable events, the comic strip The Far Side by Gary Larson debuts. That thing has been around forever. Mm-hmm. And Mary Decker became the first woman to run a mile in under four and a half minutes. So there we are. Uh, a pretty, well, a pretty busy month, I think, for a lot of people, especially Mary Decker. Mm-hmm. So it was, we we had, a, a I think, a pretty good start to the season with oh, yeah. last episode. It was great to have Tony on and oh, seriously. introduce it really was. him, like, officially part of the, the team. Yeah. So that that was fantastic. 
I guess we should reveal now the three bands that we played during our Obscure Debuts segment. Oh, yeah. So the first song that that I picked was um, a song called We'll See a Psychiatrist by Scoffish. And Scoffish, the, the way that I got connected with the music of Scoffish was... Um, uh, he, well, he basically is one guy was part of, um, Erg, a music war, mm-hmm. one of our very, very favorite movies. Uh, yeah. As soon as you said, yeah, you've, you've heard this song before. I was like, oh my God, that's right. Oh, <laughs> it, what, it wasn't that song. It was oh, a different song. It was a song. different one. I, okay. Actually a much better song called yeah. a sign of the cross. And that's for sure. Yeah. 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 Tony's pick was from the debut by Teardrops Explode, Uh which, of course, was fronted by Julian Cope. And the third song, my second pick, was a song called Not From Her World by the band Four Out of Five Doctors. Honestly, I'm, I'm right now really looking forward to the end of the year episode. You know? Uh, because because of our our predictions that we made. And, oh yeah. And, oh. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. a little anxious. <laughs> You've got 18 months to decompress. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go crazy. <laughs> okay, we ready to jump into sparks? Let's, yeah, let's sparks do it. Let's do it. Excellent. So Terminal Jive was released in January of 1980. This was Sparks' ninth album. This was a pretty big one for them, uh, particularly in France. So there was a hit called Young Girls that was big in France. And then another of their hits off this album was a song called When I'm With You, which was a uh, number one in both Australia and France. France loved it. It stayed at number one for six weeks. So so that was huge for them. They actually ended up spending most of 1980 in France because, um, you know, they were so popular there. Yeah, nice. So we kicked off the show with a song called Noisy Boys. This was your pick, but it is by far my favorite song on the album. Yeah. This is a song that just makes me happy every time that I listen to it. It is on my personal permanent playlist now. It's just a, just a happy, bubbly, breezy little song. Uh Uh-huh. So this album was, uh, like the last one, was also produced by Giorgio Moroder, although there is differing accounts about how big a role he actually played in this one. And it was, for whatever reason, not released in the U.S. Uh. So even though they're an L.A. band, not, not getting any love here in the States. So, Rob, you were <laughs> not so thrilled with their previous album, uh, Number right. One in Heaven. I like this album better than their last one. How about you? 
Yeah, me too. Absolutely. And I got to be honest with uh, Noisy Boys, that surprised me quite a bit. It, it, I went back and looked at it. I'm thinking to myself, this isn't a song I normally like. But you know how when you're just in a place and you hear a song, it, it could even be against everything else that you've liked in the past. It just, you're in that spot and it hits the right, it just hits you in the right way. And, and that's uh, what yeah, this did. Yeah. I, I, I was into it. I loved it. And the whole album was good, I think. Really, really infectious song. Yeah. You know what it reminds me of? Part of the reason why I love it so much. It, it reminds me of like a good early Pet Shop Boys song. Now, I, I kind of get the impression um, that you don't care for the Pet Shop Boys that much, <laughs> given funny. the uh, sort of like verbal equivalent of eye rolls <laughs> in the past when I've brought the Pet Shop Boys up. Yeah. I personally love their the first couple of albums of theirs, and. I think that I mentioned Pet Shop Boys when we were discussing Sparks' previous album, mm -hmm. but this this seems even more like it, more yeah something that that Pet Shop Boys were you know thinking about when they were. This is of course total speculation on my part, but um, I it's hard to imagine that the the Pet Shop Boys were not um, acutely aware of this album when they were first you know, first putting together music because uh, it's really, you can draw a direct line from this album to Pet Shop Boys' first, first album. I really like this album. Yeah. I will say this, Joseph, about the Pet Shop Boys real quick, even though they're not on our list tonight. I'm a different person now. And so mm. when we get to the Pet Shop Boys, you may find, and I may find, that I like them a lot better. I think I was mm. just overexposed at the time. <laughs> but I really like this album, like you. Yeah. 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 Let's go ahead and listen to a second cut off of this. This was actually their big hit. When I picked it, I did not, I hadn't done my research, so I was not aware that it was the big hit off this album. Just a, another really modest, catchy, and likable song. This is When I'm With You. Modest but catchy is for sure. Uh, it's definitely got this like sweet new wave vibe to it. I, 
I don't know. This whole album just makes me happy. And uh, mm-hmm. I might start getting a little suspicious because it's it's a little brighter and peppier than what I what I normally like. Like, what is in this? Is there some subliminal <laughs> subliminal suggestion going on? It's good, man. It's really good. Yeah. I I'm a fan. I like it. I like it a lot. Way better than the last album. Yeah, well, um, I do too. I, I think my main criticism of this album and the reason why I'm not flipping out right now is mm-hmm. they just, for Sparks, they just don't sound like they're having much fun. Uh, you know, yeah. the, the energy level is not as high. Mm-hmm. The last album was a lot more sporadic, but it sounded like they were having a grand adventure where yeah. here they, they're, they're, it's just a little low key for me to get yeah. super excited. It's not one that I'm going to see, I don't think it's one that I'm going to seriously consider for my top 10 of the year. Yeah. How about you? Well, you know, Saying that, it's definitely a more muted kind of, uh, I don't know, a little more of a neutral sound. But I wonder if it's part of an evolution that they're going through. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'd kind of like to to hear what comes. You know, there there is more sparks, right, after this? Oh, are you kidding? Yeah. We're, we are yeah. going to have to do three deep dive segments on sparks to cover their yeah. entire catalog. That's it's fantastic. insane. Yeah, so the, the the big thing, the big difference between this album and the last one is that they, they're using, I mean, they're synthesizers wall-to-wall on this album, but their last album, it was pretty much all synthesizers, mm-hmm. where here, there's a lot more instruments. There's guitars and, yeah. and, uh, and bass, and I think that helps a lot. Um, I just... I just wish that the um, the energy level was was you you know up there for a Sparks album. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So so that is Sparks' ninth album called Terminal Jive. Um, it seems like a long shot for showing up on many people's uh, favorite albums of the year list, but. I wouldn't be surprised if it shows up on a couple. I think it's mm-hmm. it's a total totally worthy of consideration if you're into this kind of music. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, moving on to nine nine nine. Nine 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 came out with their album "Biggest Prize in Sport." Biggest Biggest Prize in Sport is the English band's third album. It peaked at number one seventy seven on the U.S. album charts. These guys put out their first two albums with United, but hooked up with Polydor for their third. And as it turned out, Biggest Prize in Sport, their third album, ended up becoming what many see as perhaps their best album. I ended up really loving this album. And, you know, it again, I think it has the sound that I was looking for at the time. It's Although this is more in line with what I... <clears throat> what I tend to like. So it's not as big a surprise to me as, you know, say Sparks was. But uh yeah, I really I really liked it. I've heard this album probably six times, you know, since since getting ready for this uh for this episode. And uh more specifically, there are a couple songs on there that I just really dig. So let's go ahead and jump into some music. We're gonna go ahead and 
listen to my pick, which is Inside Out. This song specifically jumped out at me. Um, now, this is one of those albums, I think, that's, that's, for one, a really good rock band. Who, by the way, they they like continue with this punk attitude and the, at the same time manage to embrace like the new wave movement. Like it's there's so much going on in their sound. But Inside Out, Jesus, I love this song. It has got this this killer guitar going through it, man. How do you feel? I mean, is this, you love guitar, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I like this album. Um, I don't love it. I can't help, but compare it to their previous release separates. So the, the energy is pretty much the same, but it's mm-hmm. a lot more focused. It's a lot less adventuresome. Ah, okay. And so the the highs aren't as high as um, I found on separates, but the lows are not nearly as low. It's like right a there. super steady. Okay. I, I would say like every single one of these songs is like a six or six and a half for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. On separates, it felt like they were swinging for the fences. Yeah. Doesn't feel like they're doing that on this album. In fact, I uh, my guess is that they sort of were course correcting because Separates was just such a <laughs> wild album. How do you? Yeah. How do you? How do you live up to that again? You know. How do you? How do you, yeah. How do you do that again? So they. It feels like they they were they over course corrected where it's uh, it's okay. so steady. And so they're not swinging. It doesn't feel like they're swinging for the fences. It's like they're they're going for a solid double, which is totally legit. Mm-hmm. The songs are so basic. I'm not talking about the lyrics. I'm talking right. about the the music. Like the song that we just heard, that chord progression mm-hmm. is as cliched a rock punk chord progression as you're going to hear <laughs> true enough they're totally happy with it they obviously just made that choice yeah so i i i admire it but this is not an album i think i can get super excited about oh okay but it does sound like they are having um a lot of fun i would describe this as their strutting album this oh, is, yeah. They're just strutting down the street. This is just strutting down the street music. <laughs> There's some swagger and some sway for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How about we get into your song, Joseph? What'd you pick? I picked Hollywood. I really could have picked just about any other song mm. um, off this album. I like them. Yeah. You know, 
like them about the same. But it's catchy and it's got a it's got a, a different feel from um, your pick, but still very very like nuts and bolts, simple, straight ahead songwriting. So many I see what you're saying about, you know, it's, it's pretty basic. It's nuts and bolts. It's, it's a solid rock sound. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, which I have in my notes, the thing that one thing that I big note capital letters still pretty rocking. And that is consistent through the whole album. So, um, but yeah, I enjoyed it. And yeah, I, this also not going to go on, probably not going to go on my top top 10 list yeah. <laughs> but good i am tempted to use my with a hat phrase except uh-huh. on on this album except for it's 999 you know their their punk and post-punk credentials are pretty damn solid yeah so it doesn't feel um like it's appropriate but this is this is rock and roll yeah i mean this is yep, rock absolutely. and roll done by done by a punk band and that that only gets me so far. I, I can't, I can't like get super excited about it because, you know, it's just rock and roll. Um, but, but it, it's a, no, no real criticisms about this album. So yeah, that was 999's album, The Biggest Prize in Sport. Um, again, don't think it's going to go on my top 10, but it was a, it was a fun, a fun little record. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's move on to oh boy, Rob, this is gonna this is gonna get so confusing. So yeah. let's talk about X. Not okay. that X, the other X. Or yeah. the other other X. One of the X's. Oh, okay. <laughs> so we are talking about an Australian band called X. Not to be confused with the LA band called mm-hmm. X. There's actually a third band around this time called X in Japan, Mm -hmm. but they are like a hard rock band. So that's not relevant to our conversations. So I think Rob, we are Americans, you and I. And so I think we should do what the rest of the world expects of Americans and just assume that it's all about us. Okay. So, um, (laughs) I propose uh, moving forward when we refer to the band X Mm -hmm. that we are speaking about the LA band. I think, I think really that's the, the most famous of the three bands. I see. Yeah. And then when we talk about this band that we're, we're about to um, dive into, we will refer to them as 
the Australian X or Aussie X. Aussie X sounds pretty good to me. So this is the debut from a band called X in Australia. The album is called X Aspirations. This is solid, straight down the middle punk and pretty good. So before we get into it, let's listen to, well, actually, this is the band that we featured in last episode in the fade out. So as we were going out, we listened to a song called Simulated Lovers, which I think is a pretty damn good song. I think most of the songs off of this album are pretty damn good. Mm. Oh, yeah. Let's kick things off with my pick. Uh, Actually, it is the first song on the album called Suck Suck. It's really very simple and it's not that hard to do. Just try and use the people like they're trying to use you. Compromise your politics, it's all you'll ever need. If they're gonna suck, 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 succeed. This album was recorded in one afternoon, um, and it sounds it, and I mean that in the very best possible way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Obviously, this is a, a tight band who have who who had played these songs hundreds, if not thousands, of times. Really tight. I like it more than I typically like this type of punk. Uh, the bass is great. Um, the the bass is the bass player is the is the all star um, on this album. Love the bass. Really pretty good songwriting too. There's only three songs on this album that are over three minutes, and all three of those are less than three and a half minutes, which is great for for punk. And then more than half of the songs are around uh, two minutes or less. So what did you think of X Aspirations by Aussie X? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. You know, it's, to to me, and and especially Suck Suck, it was like just this killer little like yeah you know this like bam 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 punk song and uh i'll be honest man that was the song i wanted to choose but i really struggle sometimes to stay away i don't want to just grab the first song because it makes it feel like you know i'm not really listening to the whole album i do (laughs) but i don't want to just grab the first song and i'm like okay i'm not going to grab that song i'm not going to choose it i'm going to choose something different but they were i think they were all good you know, I think the whole album was pretty solid. Yeah, I I had six songs um, that <laughs> that were vying for my pick. Really, considering it's you know no overdubs, you know just a um, a, a small band cranking out. In fact, <laughs> I don't know if you noticed this. On the fade out last episode, when we went out on simulated lovers, you can actually hear at one point the guitarist in the chord progression progression hits the wrong chord and slides into 
the right one, but you know, fuck it. It's punk. Right. Yeah. And, right. Uh, and I, I just, it's so obviously a mistake and they, their attitude was whatever. It. We're just, we're just going to go for it. Recorded. How long was it recorded in, in a day? One yeah. afternoon. One afternoon. Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. I'm always like when I read this band recorded this album in a week, I'm like, holy crap, a week. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they got they, nothing. This is an afternoon. <laughs> yeah. They I mean they pulled the Ramones, right? They basically yeah. came in and just like played their set. Mm-hmm. Yep. Belted it out. So what song did you pick? Uh, well, again, uh, like I said, I had Suck Suck was my first choice, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to pass on. I really could have picked any song after that, but I went with Revolution. Revolution was about as easy because I almost threw a dart at a board and said, okay, that's the one I'll pick. Um, all the songs are pretty solid. They're pretty fun to listen to. And the whole album just feels like just consistently punk. And and it was quite a joy. So I, I never would have guessed that this was an Australian band. This, this sounds unlike anything that we've heard so far coming out of Australia. I mean, we've certainly heard uh, Australian punk bands, but this, this almost has like a West coast it does. feel to it. Yeah. Yeah. Quite a surprise. Yeah. Quite a surprise. So that is, um, the Australian bands, uh, X, their debut album called X aspirations. It seems a little unlikely, uh, that it will, top anybody's best of 1980s list but um i i wouldn't critique somebody at all or fault them for for including it it is it is solid it is rock solid yeah yeah for sure let's go on to the next album john fox was originally the lead singer of ultravox but in january of 1980 he released his debut solo album metamatic it peaked at number 18 on the uk album charts and was pretty darn different from his stuff with ultravox you think <laughs> yeah seriously pretty different metamatic took john fox to an almost entirely electronic realm i mean this is i think it's probably coming into 1980 some of the most interesting you know new wave stuff so Metamatic was in the UK charts for seven weeks, and it's often said to be John Fox's most influential work. Uh, why don't we jump into some music? Uh, the song that I picked was Underpass. Standing in the dark, watching you glow, lifting a I know 
Now, I didn't recognize the, uh, this song or any of the songs for, for that matter on this album. Um, but apparently, and one of the things I try not to do is I try not to pick the singles, but apparently I did. So <laughs> mm-hmm. underpass was a single. Now I, I really enjoyed this. I enjoyed the sound. I enjoyed the vocals. Um, I went online to watch videos if they had it. And I got to say that uh, it, the video for this song was really interesting. It was really understated black and white. And it's not at all what I would have pictured in my mind listening to this song. I, I don't know if it makes sense, but I'm hearing a lot of color uh, when I'm thinking of, you know, when I'm listening to this song. So, but I really found it fascinating. I love that electronic sound with his vocals. Um, his vocals almost seem at times disinterested and kind of, kind of looming and kind of, I don't know. He's got this inflection that's really interesting to me. So, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I thought it was fantastic. How about you? Well, I I find it impossible to listen to this album and not um think of Gary Newman. Obviously. Yes, obviously. <laughs> and my my reluctance or criticism uh of, you know, for for Gary Newman is that his music is a little like at a distance, kind of, mm. kind of distant and icy. But this album makes Gary Newman feel like a box of warm, fuzzy puppies. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this is so icy, so yeah. chilly, which is interesting. But it, I, it leaves me a little cold, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. I, I, it feels like really quirky, but humorless, Yeah, which is a tough, that's a tough sell well, for me. Well, w- watching the, I got to tell you, watching the video, he, he even looks up like a lot of the time he's standing against a wall, kind of gazing out, you know, gazing out a window and, and he kind of rolls his eyes and looks back at the camera and then his voice just kind of lingers and, dr- dr- you know, kind of drags. You it, it, it looks like he's bored, but, <laughs> but for some reason it was a sound that I was like, I I'm digging it. And it might be the fact that it, it reminds me of Gary Newman. Cause you know, I'm a big fan of Gary mm-hmm, Newman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you probably remember that, um, Ultravox's second album, Ha Ha Ha, which was their most like straight ahead punk, was yeah. one of my favorite releases of that year. And so going from heading up Ultravox, who and the we will uh, look at Ultravox's first release post John Fox mm-hmm. this year, and they they go not nearly as extreme as John Fox, but they go in this sort of direction much more than the first three Ultravox albums. Right. right. So it just going from helming Ultravox's punkiest album to this is whiplash. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, uh, listening to the whole album in one setting is that's 
it's a little rough for me. Ah. I guess my biggest criticism is just it feels super self-indulgent. Mm. I think that's pretty, that's extremely obvious. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hey, uh, Mm -hmm. so I forgot to mention that Underpass, the the song, the single, came out one week before the album, and it made number Mm -hmm. 31 on the UK charts, as well as being put in a ton of different compilations. Now, Mm. you are a fan of those compilations. Did you ever have an album with this song on it? I I don't believe so. I I think Uh this is the first time I have heard John Fox's uh, anything by solo. Um, John Fox as a solo artist. Mm-hmm. We're hearing stuff that we haven't heard before to a certain degree. I mean, he's going way further than Gary Newman has gone as far as just the, the icy, chilly remoteness of it all. But I, I just, I can't get super excited about it. I, I would say that I don't know if this is going to make sense, but John Fox doesn't really, even though he's doing some new stuff here, he doesn't really feel like a visionary. He just, it just feels like he happened to get there first. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't know that there's anything that is like super brilliant about it, Mm -hmm. but it feels like a lot of interesting exercises, but I, I, I like it. I, mm-hmm. I do like it. Um, uh, I really like the song that I picked. Actually, this is off of this playlist. This is the second song that is now on my permanent playlist. I think it's kind of the, uh, you would not use the word funk or groove for no. for anything off of this album. <laughs> not not this album. <laughs> but but it's got this nice little rhythm to it, uh-huh. or a nice yeah. little something uh, that I find quite engaging. So uh, my pick off of this album is called Metal Beat. Drift in, drift out, we're gone. I think this song has like a, a very, I mean, obviously, obviously it's electronic, but it's got this like very mechanical uh, robotic tone to it. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's great. I think the iciness really works. And mm-hmm. um, I think you're right about him getting there first. It feels to me like January of 1980 is a lot of bands just trying something new like they they feel it it feels like we are moving into a new era and a lot of things are changing and people are trying stuff out and i think i think maybe that's what's going on with john fox one of the things i really appreciate uh with this song is that um john fox is making some great choices as far as the vocal part 
mm-hmm. and just the 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 way the way that he lays the part out and the choices that he makes as far as the rhythm of the syllables of the words and how he plays with that i find quite engaging yeah well not denying that at all for sure mm-hmm. so that was a metamatic john fox's solo album this is not an album that i that i recommend that listeners dismiss out of hand um i i think there is enough adventuresome interesting things going on that to you know make your top 10 list of the year mm-hmm. it's probably best that you go check it out um yeah it, it is not it's not run of the mill it's not somebody who is uh, just going through the motions at all yeah i mean and i could probably circle it myself just to say go back and look at it at the end of the year as for me personally i know there's going to be so much coming it's it's hard for me to even think about <laughs> about whether it's going to be on my list or not right, do you think so, there's a chance you know i love the album i really do mm-hmm. it's one of my mm-hmm. favorites of this playlist so mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. i'm not ruling it out at all Cool. Let's move on to the next album. This is another debut by the band Wipers. The album was called Is This Real? So this band, the Wipers, I had never heard of them. What about you, Rob? Mm, No, not at all. So they are often referred to as the first Pacific Northwest punk band. Um, They formed in 1977, but didn't release their first album uh, until 1980. It's basically one guy. He's he's kind of the mastermind of it. Um, And he they they released several singles before this album came out on his own label. But when it came to the debut album, he actually went with uh, an established indie label called Park Avenue uh, because he felt like he would get more exposure. This really reminds me in all of the best ways of the album we just talked about from X in Australia. This is good in kind of the same straight ahead, super solid punk and once again the the bass although i i don't think the the bass player uh is quite as accomplished as that of x a lot of these songs are really propelled by um some excellent choices made by the bass player so before we get any further let's listen to my pick off of this album a song called alien boy got him on the This album was 
largely ignored at the time, but over the years has gotten a lot more attention uh, to the point where Spin Magazine calls it the 40th most essential punk album of all time. Wow. Got a lot of exposure in the 90s because this was a, a band that uh, Kurt Cobain uh, referenced as a, a big influence. So that that puts <laughs> Wipers in the, the rare echelon of um, just about every band, <laughs> at least punk band, from the 70s and 80s yeah. as far as influencing Kurt Cobain. But uh, Nirvana actually did uh, a cover of two of their songs. Um, so I think in the 90s, they got a lot more exposure. John Peel of the John Peel session cites, cites this as one of his favorites. There is a song off of this album called Mystery that has been covered many, many times by punk bands. So I like this album a lot. It is a little bit more dynamic mm -hmm. than the um, X album. There are um, a few more overdubs. So I think it's a little bit more interesting than X aspirations, but the energy isn't quite as focused and high as as that debut band. I it it may be unfair to compare the two albums, but they they're they're really so very similar in mm -hmm. a lot of ways in my brain. So uh what did you think of Is It Real by the Wipers? No, I I quite enjoyed it. Boy, I I, I feel like I'm saying the same thing over again, but I feel like pretty much the the albums that we've been listening to are all pretty solid for me and the wipers i kind of want to hear what else they would do you know i want to hear more of them i do think it's a good i really liked by the way alien boy i thought it was i thought mm. it was a really cool song mm -hmm. um and i definitely feel the the vibe you know that when you mention um x the australian band x i i definitely feel like yeah the, they're both in the same region, you know, they're both mm -hmm. listening to the same bands. They're both influenced by the same people. So I'd be curious to see or to learn more about X and find out exactly who, who they were listening to and who their influences were. So um, anyway, I'm probably going to dip in and do some research, more research on those guys. Um, mm -hmm. But the wipers, I like them. I like them a lot. Mm -hmm. This is a good album. So what is your pick off this album? Uh, you know, I picked a little ch cheerful tune mm -hmm. called uh, Potential Suicide. It's such a long way down Maybe I should try to flow below I felt the landing might just ease the pain And the power is such a drag Very, very West Coast punk sounding. Um, 
Mm-hmm. And uh, this is there. There are a a lot of really pretty darn good songs off of this album. Um, yeah, this is this is one that I can't see myself getting super excited about. Um, but I do. I I do like it a lot. I I understand why it's um influential mm-hmm. um and as as you know i'm not i'm not a huge fan of this is the hardcoreist of uh west coast hardcore but it's kind of in that vein which is a little bit more of a hard sell for me i feel like uh. the x album there's uh, there's they just got a little bit more charisma I see. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the more hardcore we get, the more I'm going to enjoy it, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and I did, I, I quite enjoyed it. Um, yeah. yeah. Again, not, not probably not going to make my top 10 list, but again, yeah. we've got a lot, a lot coming. So. Yeah. So that is the Wipers debut album called, is this real? I anticipate it will show up on at least one person's um, top 10 end of the year list. It seems a little unlikely they don't make the final top 10, uh, but you never know. Another one that, sh- that should be in the running. We, we got a lot of those albums um, yeah. from, from January. Well, next we're going to talk about a band called the Derudy Column. And this is the album, The Return of the Derudy Column, which is interesting because it's their first album. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, we've talked about these guys a little bit before. Mm-hmm. They formed in 1978 in Manchester. So they definitely came up when we were talking to our friend Richard Temple. Uh, when mm-hmm. we talked, you know, our episode with the Manchester scene. Yeah. It, and if I remember correctly, we talked about them, but we didn't play any music. Is that right? Right, or, right. I think yeah. you're right about that. Yeah. And they, they definitely came up because uh, I think he's, well, for one, they were all over Manchester. And of course, Richard Richard Temple was there himself. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, as I said, the return of the Derudy Columns, their debut album. The band consists of Vinnie Riley on guitar, uh, Pete Crooks on bass, and Toby Toman on drums. They, this is that album that they recorded in like a week and surprised a ton of people. This album definitely surprised people. These guys were on the same label as Joy Division. And uh, to be honest, they couldn't be farther from Joy Division (laughs) from that sound. You know, they are, they, they, it's maybe on the same label, but they are a totally different sounding band. It's well, it's interesting. You, you you're going to hear it. So the song I picked for the Derudy column is a tune called Catherine. Thank you. 
This is my favorite song on the album. Uh, by itself, I wouldn't call it New Wave, but when listening to this album, Catherine is, is exactly like the song that I needed. And again, I mentioned that, you know, there are times where you just need a song or you, you, you don't think it's a song that would appeal to you, but then for some reason it just hits a chord. And uh, it, it's mellower than I, than I really expected or really that I thought I'd like. Um, but it really endeared itself to me. And, and I don't know, just as a, as a piece of music to me, it, it felt kind of alive. And you, this is a tough one for me. Obviously the, the punk scene in England was very, very different than Mm -hmm. in the United States. And the cool thing about what was going on in England was how inclusive the whole scene was, right? Mm-hmm. Because of that, because of the the nature of the punk and post-punk movement in in the UK, we are talking about poets like John Cooper Clark, Patrick Fitzgerald, kind mm-hmm. of punk, but mostly folk. Just a lot of artists that were part of the the punk scene that didn't sound anything like punk. Yeah, yeah. Taken in a vacuum, this seems like a very, very odd album for us to be discussing. <laughs> I will agree with you there. <laughs> First of all, I don't believe there's any vocals on the whole album, right? Right. right. It is essentially jazz guitar stuff, but with a sort of a a post-punk bent. Mm -hmm. And I think that's even being generous. But because it was part of the Manchester scene and it was on the same label as all of these punk and post-punk bands, it it was kind of like part of that scene. And I totally accept that. I'm not objecting to the the fact that uh, we're discussing this album. I look at my notes for this album I don't have one single note, <laughs> nothing. It was just like, I have no gauge for this kind of music. It really, to me, it really sounds like what you would kind of expect to hear if you went to a coffee shop and there was a, a jazz guitar trio, right? Sure. But here it is, but with a post-punk hat. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. I, you know, while I was listening to this, this album, I pictured a party, right? Mm-hmm. Where all the bands in, in the area or even on a label or whatever are at this party. And, you know, you've got like the Happy Mondays. You've got, uh, I don't know, let's say you've got the Sex Pistols, Susie and the Banshees, Joy Division. And then there's the Derudy column in the kitchen by themselves, you know? <laughs> First of all, that party probably happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it did. Um, but I mean, cause their sound is totally different, but, but mm-hmm. here they are a part of that scene. And, mm-hmm. and so I think just contemplating that sort of, you know, that sort of, uh, I mean, how they were included in that kind of made me get into the album. You know, it wasn't to me, it wasn't just about sound. It was about, I don't know, it was about the 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 surrounding of making the album and, and you know, how these guys must have worked their way through. So 
I have no gauge for like whether it's good or it's bad, but it sounds pretty credible. It's very, it's very pleasant sounding. I had a hard time picking a song, so I just kind of went with the one that got the most streams because it's kind of the um, the most accessible, and that is a song called Sketch of Summer. Sketch of Summer is more of the same off of this album. <laughs> I mean, again, credible. It, it sounds pretty fine. Uh, I'm still, first of all, the bird, were there bird chirping sounds in that song? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so there's some some ambiance there. But uh, <laughs> I, you know, I do scratch my head and go, okay, so what is, what about this is punk and new wave? Um, like you said, it's co- it feels like coffeehouse music, but pretty pretty good but with a post-punk hat yes with a post-punk hat exactly <laughs> uh, coffee house coffee house music with a post-punk hat i can tell you right now it's not going to make my top 10 list but yeah uh, yeah yeah we'll Just, we'll not make mine either whether or not it will make uh, uh, other people's lists who the fuck knows i i just knows? i i have no gauge for for this um as as I have said in the past, I really, really would be excited if somebody said, no, Darudi Column is on my top 10. Well, then mm-hmm. awesome. That's great. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, yeah, that was the Darudi Columns, the return of the Darudi Column, of course, their debut album. And, uh, yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Let's move on to something decidedly unfantastic. <laughs> Rob, I don't. Is is this next album the low point for you? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, ah, yeah. This is excruciating. So, ah, okay, let's talk about the debut album from a uh, United States band called the Romantics. This is a eponymously titled release. Had a hit, you know, it is, it is now their um, most famous song, but it was, it was not really that big at the time, at least not here in the States, a song called uh, What I Like About You, mm-hmm. uh, big in Australia, hit number two in Australia, uh, hit number eight in the Netherlands, peaked at number 49 here in the U.S., but this song has legs. It is their most streamed song nowadays. Yeah. yeah. Um, I I was first familiar with with the Romantics because they had a 
um, a huge hit uh, a couple of years later with um, Talking Your Sleep. Mm-hmm. You remember that song? I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I totally do. Let the mediocrity begin with a song <laughs> called Give Me One More Chance. They they made their way up through um, the circuit. They actually played at CBGB's a lot. They um, were a regular performers at Max's Kansas City. I this is this is rock and roll with a new wave hat um, <laughs> at its most bland and unremarkable um i've been thinking a lot about uh, this album and this type of music uh we're gonna we've had discussions about these types of bands in the past we will continue to and i've been trying to to kind of wrap up my feelings and basically what i've come down to is um i'm gonna come up with a, a category of band yeah i'm gonna call Big fish in a small pond bands. So these are these are bands that sound like they're they're probably very very successful regionally, right? Um, but just don't you know they they they, they just doesn't they don't have what it takes to take them to the next level. So a a, a major label takes a chance on them. Um, most of them don't go anywhere. I'm, I'm thinking a lot of the A's album mm-hmm. that we discussed a couple of episodes back. Do you remember, you, you remember that album? Yeah, totally. Totally. I think you're right about that. I dislike this album in the exact same way. Yeah. And, you know, it's like bands that are really successful regionally, they're successful because they kind of go, um, and they play the pubs and the bars. And I mm-hmm. think bands like to be successful doing that sort of a circuit um, requires a whole different set of skills. So I think the Romantics are probably a really, really good pub pub rock yeah. band. Um, so imagine in the late 70s, uh, the Casper Inn. So the Ca- Casper Inn on the on the coast, uh, in the Mendocino area, that's where you go on a Saturday night if you want a boogie, right? Yep. yep. So in and they they always have live music. So in the late seventies, I think a band like the Romantics 
or like the A's, or to a lesser degree, I'm thinking of uh, the band, the Yachts, kind of feel like they kind of, they fit in this category. I think would have been really successful at the, the Casperin, whereas opposed to a band like The Fall or Talking <laughs> Heads at that point, yeah, yeah. or... Um, scoffish <laughs> right <Yeah. laughs> would not have been successful because when people go you know in the 70s when people went to the casper inn they were people in their 30s and 40s they don't want to hear cutting edge um no. art rock they wanted to go get drunk and dance their butts off you know so yeah. they wanted to hear some familiar songs a lot the romantics um Probably a great cover band. In fact, on this album, they have a pretty solid cover of a kink song. Um, She's Got Everything. They're probably a really good cover band. Um, I don't think they, they have what they take, what it takes to be successful nationally or internationally. I'm saying that even though they were pretty successful because they hit the big fish in a small pond lottery, right? With this song and um, talking in your sleep. But this this album <laughs> is not for me on every single level. And and when when I think about specifically the difference between a band like this, which is um, really successful regionally, um, but not like ready for the world stage. Uh-huh. Um, I think the two main things are lead vocals, like specifically with the A's. The lead vocalist just didn't didn't have what it took as far as charisma, um, and then songwriting so so the songwriting on this album is very very derivative of 60s and 70s boogie woogie rock and roll um yeah with a new wave hat with a new wave hat yeah well you know you reminded me um when you talked about the Casper Inn, there were some famous bands that played at the Casper Inn but it's Tommy (laughs) Two-Tone It's this kind of sound. I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, it's this kind of. In fact, well, there, there is no more. They don't. They don't have the Casper Inn isn't doing music live music anymore. They they shut oh, down. Oh, that makes me sad. I did not know that. You and I have both enjoyed. You know, enjoyed there. And man, we have we have. You know, we've had a great time. But, um, you know, this like you said, this is that kind of that kind of sound. It's a. Mm-hmm. And it's a boogie woogie rock show and and that's just kind of how i how i felt about it um but i i also kind of got excited at first because oh the romantics now just the name of the romantics sticks in my head as being a big band of the time and i'm looking at the playlist going well i don't recognize any any of these songs except oh what i like about you fantastic yeah, yeah this is gonna be a great album and uh was so deflated uh, <laughs> in listening to it's the only song I really liked on the album. Yeah, um, yeah. And that yeah, song was too. all over the place. It was in commercials. It was still, you know, on the radio. I mean, mm-hmm. as of as of just a couple of years ago, I used to hear it on the radio. You know. Well, it, it is actually um, 
more popular now than it was yeah. at the time. So yeah, yeah. So as I mentioned, not a huge hit here in the United States. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is like this is a band that that could have gone to the Casperin. Everybody would have had a good a good time. Yeah. Nobody would have been offended by it. Nobody would have like <laughs> thought it was too weird or strange. It's very, very, uh, you know, sort of lowest common denominator, a boogie woogie. Let's drink <laughs> some beers and and, you know, get some hot chick on the on the dance floor. Kind That's of right. Band, That's which, right which I'm sure they were they were top notch at doing that. Mm -hmm. But that's exactly what they sound like and that's not for me. <laughs> so what'd you pick? Uh well, I picked a song that uh sadly was not as exciting as yours. <laughs> um <laughs> I picked a song first in line. first in line um to me it just feels like more of the same sadly it's uh you know it's a rock show and uh and that's fun you know that's fun on a, a summer night at the casper inn <laughs> but um i guess i'm looking for something a little more dynamic you know so yeah well you better be son <laughs> You know, I'm trying not to be mean here. <laughs> well, we can, we can be honest about our opinions without being mean. Yes. So that is the Romantics' debut. I'm really curious to hear their um, their. I, th yeah. I think it's their next album with um, talking and there's in in your sleep because my hope is that that is much more new wave. So yeah. that might be fun, but this is, this is just rock and roll yeah. um, and not particularly inspired. Uh, so the Romantics debut album, eponymously titled, uh, obviously is not going to make it onto my uh, top 10 of the year list, nor yours. No, sir. And <laughs> I would be very, very surprised if it makes anybody's list. But more power to you if it does. <laughs> if it right. If we get a list coming in with the romantics on it, I will have to ask the question to myself, are they doing this despite me? <laughs> <laughs> oh Okay, yeah. that was me being mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've run out of time. This is where we have to end. We will um Pick this up next week and cover the rest of the albums. Rob, why don't, why don't you tell me which albums we have left to cover for January 1980? Suburbs in Combo, Buggles with The Age of Plastic, Jim Carroll Band's Catholic Boy, 
The Distractions, first, last, and only album, Nobody's Perfect, and Human Sexual Responses, figure 14. Okay, I, I guess that's it. Unless, Rob, you've got any last words of wisdom before we go? No, I think I'm good. It's It's been a blast. All right, everybody, we will talk to you next week. See ya. See ya.